Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Weirder Hangs podcast. I'm Michael McCann and joining me this week as always is the immaculately coiffed Ennis Smith. Hello. That's very that's very kind of you. Thanks very much. You're not so bad yourself, darling. Oh, cheers. Um, Ennis, did you know that we are nominated for a British Podcast Award? No way. We are. Um, but the listeners who listen to this podcast need to vote for us in order oh. for us to win. Alright, okay. Right, so what we need people to do is they need, we need them to go to the British Podcastingawards.com, click vote, right. type in weirder things because that's what they think the podcast is called, even though it isn't. All right. And then vote for us, and okay. then we could win an amazing award. So we need people to do that. Yeah. And that would be good if they did. But you're also listening to us on the UK Paranormal Radio Network. That's right. As well. So, uh, so if you like the podcast, you can listen to us, listen to us live there. Or you can um, download us at uh, British UK Podcasting, UK Podcast, Podbean.com or something like that. So yeah, just thought I'd get on I was, that. I get was, on that, all that in there. I was just about to say you're on fire, Michael, but you kind of dropped it I towards well, the end. And it's, it's not as if I forgot the name of the podcast or yeah, <laughs> the network name. That's true. Uh, so yeah. That's good. So how are you? Are you alright? I'm alright. I'm alright. You, right. I mean, you know, we could crumble, but who's listening? Exactly, just people. Just people. Yeah. How are you? Me, I'm alright. There I'm you go. Fine. That's I'm as much. Just okay. That's as much you're going to get out of us. Yeah. Um, it's not about us, though, is it? It's not. It's really about weirder things. Weirder things and the, the weird things that are happening. Um, so this week, what we're going to do? We're going to delve back into the the the, the case files of the SSPR to find out some live. Um, Live? Well, no, live. Are they live investigations or no. are they not? Well, they done with investigations? Well, our, our involvement has, has ended. ended. Right. Probably for the best. Uh, before we we do it on the podcast, I'd say. Yes. I don't mean the probably for the best in general. Yeah. Be unkind. <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah. I do know what it sounded like. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so we're going to look at some of those. It's like sort of quasi-legal term. Yeah, because the thing is, you can't you can't, can't, can't discuss things when they're ongoing. Yeah, exactly. It would be, it would be unwise. Yes, to, yeah. exactly. That's what that's what I meant. Yeah, right. I, I know where you're going um, with that. Um, but it's good to look at these because you can't just you know read about these cases in a book or online or anything like that. It's true. Only you have them in your case files. It's true. This is a real life Scottish X files that we've got here. That's it. And 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 you're the fox Mulder of this operation. Well. Um, when, when, no. no, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe a scully. <laughs> I don't know. Was there somebody who was who was who was mopping up? Who was mopping up? Mopping uh, up. Paranormal uh, mop cleaner. A cleaner. Yeah, anyway, the um, guy cleans at the FBI, FBI offices. That's it. Yeah. So, um, so this is the Scottish Society for Psychical Research. So these are uh, uh, investigations that I either uh, I, I was. I was case coordinator at the time, so I certainly um, was... Fancy in, title. That's uh, a fancy title. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, just... So I was up. involved in, in as much of uh, either speaking to the client um, uh, for all of the case, 
um, or um, certainly one of them sort of spoke with the client on the phone, but sent out, dispatched other investigators who 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 did the investigating on site in situ. So yeah, so um, I think the the cases that I've selected. Oh, we're going, we're diving deep. We're getting heavy, man. This is heavy topic. But basically, we have to um, hold up our hands and as paranormal investigators, if you are, I mean, if I don't know whether or not you are a paranormal investigator, um, uh, if you are or if you're interested in it, then we need to have an open and honest discussion about the limitations of paranormal investigating, but it's, uh, in terms of gathering evidence, but also the limitations that we as investigators have in terms of certain competencies. How, okay. about, how about yeah, that? Okay. Certain competencies and what we what we might be qualified, and I use that I use that word um, deliberately mm-hmm. um, uh, to to make pronouncements upon, and whether or not it's possible at any point to say that something is definitely paranormal. What you will often find when investigating or communicating with members of the public is that there may be uh, an a. a, a I'll use the term vaguely, but you can kind of guess where this is going. There may be other issues with health. Yes. I mean, we've spoken about this. Yeah, we have spoken about, about, about previously. Um, and it's and it's essentially we all might be out of our depths when we're dealing with clients that may have other issues other than paranormal. Or at least, in, in if you imagine sort of the, the, the Venn diagram, so the two circles that are overlapping, if you don't believe in the paranormal, there is no other circle. <laughs> there's yeah, no other, yeah, there's yeah, not a paranormal yeah. circle. But when you have essentially issues uh, that may be due to uh, mental health or psychosis or some kind of lack uh, or uh, sort of a different perspective on reality, let's just put it like that, yeah. and, and a different perspective of reality, which... Um, which the medical establishment may may have made an, uh, a diagnosis. This is the thing: is if you often think to yourself, what would happen to all everyone um, that might be talking about these experiences happen to them? What if they'd um, spoken to a, a, a GP or a psychiatrist first, as opposed to a paranormal investigator? Yes. How many times would these people be diagnosed with having some kind of psychosis or suffering from hallucinations? Yeah, and how often would a doctor go, oh, what you need is a paranormal investigator, not yeah, a doctor? Yeah, exactly. Well, do you know what? The funny old thing is, is I have heard, certainly anecdotally, that that does happen. Really? But, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, in, in terms of some people um, essentially have gone through the system for years right. and eventually somebody's like, well, this is presenting, this presents like a case of some like ridiculous... Exorcism. Yeah. He's an exorcist. Yeah, and then funnily enough, they'll, they'll get one and then it's all sorted and they go, oh, right, okay then. Mm. So... Um, it does happen. It does happen. One of um, one of the sort of the preeminent figures in this field, what you would call it, spirit release. Is a he's a retired psychiatrist called uh, Alan Sanderson, right? And basically, his his little personal journey was he was a psychiatrist within the system, and somebody was presenting like it was a possession, like the you know, and, and he thought, well, I'm just going to go along with this, right? Why is this so amusing? That's to not you, Michael? Okay. Are you getting I'm, a li- I'm getting a flash of something in my head. I can just imagine somebody going to a doctor, right, and getting a prostate exam, and then the doctor then taking the gloves off, going, "No, what you need is a paranormal investigator." Yeah, <laughs> and just like putting the gloves in the bin. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. Well, the the good news is we do know your prostate is swollen. Yeah. The bad news. And it's haunted. It's haunted. <laughs> You've got a haunted prostate. A haunted prostate. <laughs> So, and that's yeah. why I was laughing because I was just getting yeah. that yeah. visual as you were talking. Sorry. Okay, that's fair enough. Listen, it's best you get that out now yes. before we move on to specifics. <laughs> Give people a laugh before yeah. we get to before we get serious. to the serious stuff. But yeah, so it's just as the funny old thing is is um, uh, the the other argument, the other the, the other side of the debate is out there. Um, there are medical practitioners that occasionally throw up their hands and say, "Well, the, the the sort of the the Western, what you might say, reductionist, materialist model of medicine, we can't explain it, we can't fix it. We've thrown all the drugs and all the treatments at it. It's no working." 
Aye, let's give this weird woo, this weird woo woo a try. <laughs> let's get the shaman in. Let's get yeah. the let's get the mystic fruity person in, and it works. I always like the ones where people go to the doctors with things, and then they're like, "Oh, we've just like taken a an implant at your neck, or something like that." Oh, you like, quite, yeah, I like you like stuff. the UFO stuff? I like the UFO stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I like. like people. Oh, you know. And the doctors might be going, no, you're, you're having an, an episode, but then they pull a wee bit of metal, a wee bit of shrapnel out of somewhere, uh, and they can't explain it. So I like that stuff. Yeah, there's, I mean, maybe this is, this is, this might even be a, a subject for another podcast, but just like weird, weird medicine. Yeah, weird we- medicine is probably, weird, is probably quite weird, good, yeah. Weirder medicine, lots of, um, have you heard of Morgellons? No. Morgellons, well, this is a, this is, this is a, this is a sort of, uh, Oh God! What you, this even goes to the almost like the philosophy of medicine, right? Um, in terms of what makes there are some people, for for example, that that argue that syndromes are arbitrary because essentially a syndrome is a is what you've done is you've corralled a group of symptoms and you say, yeah. well, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the one of the clues or indicators that that medicine or diagnosis might be cultural. Is that you can go to different parts of the world, mm-hmm. and some 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 countries have some diseases, and other countries don't. Yeah, and certainly as medicine advances, some medical problems disappear, and other ones. I mean, for example, just I think it quite quite amusing that that nostalgia used to be a mental illness. Really? Yeah, yeah. Nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. We talk about oh, people get nostalgia, but nostalgia used to be. Um, Sort of mentioned in the same breath as like melancholy, like depression. Right, you know? okay. So nostalgia yeah, oh, was a, a bad case of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. You're really just missing the. And of course, nostalgia is is, is essentially a part of depression because people who are depressed they often keep harkening back to a right. better life. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So they go, oh, it was much better in the past, and go, well, that person's got nostalgia. But it right, used to be okay. a specific oh, diagnosis. Right, okay. right. You know, you could you could you walk away from your little Victorian doctor with a prescription. Yeah. <laughs> for you know all the drugs because yeah. back then you. In fact, back then you probably could buy yourself like heroin and morphine yeah, and opium and, co- co- cocaine, and yeah. cocaine and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you take all the drugs for all your problems. Yeah. Um, but no, nostalgia was a was a was a medical diagnosis. It's in actually past. it's interesting because um, here uh, I don't know if you've been to the doctor recently, but um, if you go to a doctor here and say I think I have this, then they'll just ignore you because you're not a doctor and, and they'll say, well, if you think you have that, then you've been looking at the symptoms yeah, yeah. of it and giving yourself a yep. prognosis. I'm the doctor, I'm the one who needs to find the symptoms and yep. all that. So yep. doctors won't listen if you think you have... Yeah. Which is it's kind of strange. Yeah, I was chatting to like, uh, like uh, GPs years ago and they were saying that, that, that even back then, like 10... Fifteen years ago, even when even when the internet was young, yeah, WebMD, yeah, um, that that as soon as people could could like search for things, yeah, on the internet, yeah, is they were essentially self diagnosing, mm-hmm. and and the the problem uh, certainly with with each passing year is the amount of information out there. So often you get uh, patients rocking up and not only self diagnosing, but blabbing on and on about a condition or an illness that they may, might not even have heard of, yeah. Because it's a really rare disease, yeah. and it's the kind of thing they have to like go back to their own textbooks and go, "What is this? What they're on?" But we yeah, go, yeah. "Well, I think I found out that I've got Carsbobs syndrome." Yeah, and they're like, "What Carsbobs? <laughs> Who? What? No one's had that for five hundred years." Yeah, and it's like, "Well, I think you find I'm part of Carsbobs syndrome sufferers dot com." Yeah, and we've got, uh, you know, etc. etc. Yeah. Anyway, that's me now mocking the, quite literally the afflicted, which is not, <laughs> which is not what I came to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's just to raise this sort of issue that. There is this discussion and debate about the sort of arbitrary nature of uh, of of medicalizing the human condition. That we decide that certain con- certain uh, symptoms, certain problems, um, it, uh, are, it, it, it's this syndrome, and therefore it requires this treatment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas there is this large, I mean, especially when you look at the the research, I'm quite interested. Um, I think, God, I'm going to pull this name out of my bum. Uh, John Horgan is a science writer in America, but he he um, wrote quite a lot of interesting books, basically about the limitations of science. And one of his uh, essays or chapters was about um, medical science, and it was just there is actually a tremendous amount of 
heavily peer-reviewed and, and, and very much replicated. You know, large, large studies with, 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 you know, statistical heavy significance that actually studies the uh, efficacy of medicine itself and different treatments, mm. you know. So it's always medicine is, because it's because it is evidence-based, it's always examining how good is, is its own evidence yeah. and what actually works. And comes up with really interesting interesting and surprising conclusions basically it's just that you would expect certain treatments to, because they're punted by the medical establishment to be so much better than other ones but mm. but often many treatments are much of a muchness and of course the the, the, the big the, in a sense what the, the the greatest problem and this ties us back maybe to the subject at hand the biggest problem or, or area of illness or human suffering that medicine um, struggles uh, with the most is mental illness, mental mm. health. It yeah. is the hardest to treat. It's 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 really really hard. And of course, the reason is because we're in the realm of the mind. Yes, and it's almost like the 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 you know the the brain is the method by which the brain can cure itself, but. If it's, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's that kind of catch twenty two situation mm. that the only thing that can help your brain get better is your brain. But if it's not in a good way, then yeah. how's that going to work? Kind of thing. Obviously, um, uh, drugs can help, but generally speaking, um, anyway. My point is is that the studies they're all much of a muchness, and 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 none of them are really that effective. But the the amusing thing was is they found out. The, the thing that really made a difference was the enthu enthusiasm of therapists. That basically, the most recently qualified psychiatrists were far better at their job than the than than the ones with more experience, and they reckon that was because the patients responded most to enthusiasm. Really? I.e., when you've been doing the job for ages, yeah, you, you know. Well, well, when you didn't know, you know that it's people mostly have no hope. Right, <laughs> and and you're wasting your Including time, and, yourself. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, oh god, the human human nature, yeah. the endless suffering. Yeah. Okay, so when somebody sits opposite you and you're really, really experienced, so you, you you've seen it all before, yeah. you're just like, oh well, you've probably got no chance. But uh, the thing is, is the patient picks up on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they're the, like the, your doctor yeah. is burnt at yeah, by it. Then yeah, then yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's almost like it's like the. the, the so if you no. go to a doctor, oh my god, you've got depression, and they're like, oh, thank god. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know when you sit opposite somebody goes, yeah, yeah, we can really do something here. Yeah, yeah they go, oh yeah, yeah, oh, right, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to be okay. But just sitting there, guys, like, yeah. oh god, yeah. it's just which which sort of raises lots of really interesting, you know, ideas that 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 maybe like doctors and. Maybe medics basically yeah. retire them early. Yeah, maybe because I was like, you've been through, example, you've been I went through to all my doctor, that training. Like, yeah, my doctor's like, I've had them my whole life, right? Um, so he's probably, I don't know what he is now, but he's, he's not as young as he used to be. Um, but I went to see him recently and and I said, oh, you know, I think I've got a sting or whatever. And he was just like, and his response was, so? Like, what difference does it make? Yeah. Essentially, was his response. Yeah. Like, and he's like, but if you do have it, like, he's like, what does what does it matter? Is it really going to affect your life? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, but if I went to another doctor, they might be, all right, okay, we can do something about that, whatever. But he's just like, ah, oh, who cares? We're all going to die. We're all going to the void anyway. So you may as well just live with it. Yeah, it it's, it's, it's it just seems to be counterintuitive. Yeah, that you would think between between these two propositions, experience and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. What's more precious in a in a medical or therapeutic setting? Mm. And you, it, most people go, "Oh my God, well, experience." Yeah. The more experience and knowledge you have, yeah. but actually, no, no enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, you just don't want. I mean, otherwise, you could just have like a spaniel sitting opposite with you, wearing <laughs> yeah. a white coat. Yeah, yeah. Just really pleased to see you. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, that might work just as well. Yeah, yeah it could be it could therapy be. dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pat the wee dogs because yeah. they're always keen to see I, you. Yeah, and just be like, oh, I feel yeah. so much better now if it is yeah. mental health you've got. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we cuddle off a dog, yeah. it'll be fine. But that was a that was quite a sort of a diversion there. Yeah, it was but nothing paranormal about that. Nothing. At all. Well, do you know what? It, it, but it's an important pro subject. So yeah, no. it wasn't. Well, do you know what? It, it wasn't. It wasn't because essentially what we're saying is that medicine kind of likes to get its 
get its tendrils into into all areas of human mm-hmm. experience, and and there's even a there's even a word for it which is medicalizing. Yeah. So it's so me- medicalizing human experience. So the issue is 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 it that odd thing that that you might wake up in the middle of the night and see the floating head of pumpkin doom at the bottom of your bed, you know, mm-hmm. laughing away, and if you toss a coin and go and see a paranormal investigator first, they go, oh my God, that's a ghost, let's set up cameras, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you think, oh, and if you go to your GP, you'll likely get a brain scan and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or medication. Poked with something, yeah. Yeah, and, and the weird, well, I'm, I'm saying it's weird, maybe it is, maybe it's not, maybe it's just exactly the way it should be, but soon as a client confesses that they have received a diagnosis Mm-hmm. Then essentially the, the the ethical point of view is you can you you cannot, nor should you ever contradict that medical diagnosis mm-hmm. because you're not uh, as a paranormal investigator unless you actually are like a psychiatrist or a GP then yeah. then it's not your it's it's not your area of expertise yeah. or knowledge it's, yeah. and and even if it was you're not that person's GP or psychiatrist so exactly. it would still yeah. be yeah. wrong to to to, to to like say, well, I'm, I've got a different opinion. On this, um, so yeah, um, whoa, ethical. So basically, if ethic- you're listening to this and you're a paranormal investigator, you have a duty of care. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the, yes, you, you, you have to be ethical. Yeah, if you're going into just a haunted building and there's no in it, knock yourself out. But go, if it's a, if go a, crazy. If it's a residence, or you're, you're dealing with a client or a person. Yeah, um, you need to you need to be careful. Uh, yeah, is what you're saying. You have a duty to care of that you person. You absolutely do. You absolutely do. Whether and they have a mental health condition or not. No, exactly. And this is the thing. And um, um, it's been a sort of a, a sort of a long, slow learning curve for myself. But the way I kind of deal with it is because a lot of clients they're they're phoning you up, and they're, what they're doing is they're asking for validation. Yeah. They want to be believed. They want you to say that. That the the stuff that they're telling you uh, is true and it happened and you've got the answers and here it is and mm-hmm. you'll wave the magic wand and it all stops. Um, uh, and whereas I can't I can't promise that I can wave any magic wand. So that's my first uh, my first thing is to deal with people's expectations of what you do and what you can deliver. Mm-hmm. But the other thing as well <clears throat> is it's almost like just to be just to put my cards on the table and say it's not my place to. To, to ne- I can neither confirm nor deny any of your experiences, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's the way I deal with it. Uh, and the, the sort of the spiel would be: I can neither confirm nor deny your experiences, and certainly, um, if, if 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 you're speaking to somebody on the other end of a telephone, uh, even before you meet them, you're just saying, "Well, look, you know, how 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 could I anyway? Mm-hmm. How how could I validate any yeah. of you, anything you have to say?" Um, and or, or or how could I deny it? But the the other thing is, you say, well, look, um, I believe that the paranormal because this is this is true. I do personally believe that the paranormal can happen, but just because it can happen doesn't mean it does. Mm-hmm. And that's something to 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 get people to think about because once you have one paranormal experience um, that you might not be able to explain, then you're much more likely to uh, interpret all other weird and you know, even ambiguous events yeah. as being paranormal, and, and and once you start to uh, have that sort of um, that that inbuilt bias or expectation, then then what might just be a very a very small and not alarming mystery. Once you mix that in with trepidation, fear of the unknown, and mm-hmm. this this somebody can believe that all. All hell is breaking loose, yeah. you know, literally. Um, and then when you add in the added, uh, the added joy of uh, freewheeling mediums that <laughs> uh, that, that make uh, somewhat um, alarming pronouncements yeah. that that they have uh, v- uh, uh, portals. Yes. Uh, you've got a bad dose of the portals. Where did that mirror come from? No, 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 something came through your mirror. Yeah. And just all that kind of stuff, yeah. and you're just like, you know what? That's not not necessarily helpful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, not. <laughs> just all. not, not, not necessarily yeah. helpful. Do you think there's a question, right? See, like I'm not technically a paranormal investigator, right? I don't. People don't call me up 
and asked me to go and investigate the paranormal for them. But you I would do. be you would be a, a photographic paranormal consultant. How about yeah, that? that's quite good. I like that, like that yeah. But occasionally, people you know know have an interest in the subject, or they've maybe heard the podcast, and they'll come up and they'll, they'll tell me things, and I've made documentaries in the past on the subject and stuff. But we've all anybody who's in this area of interest um, has met someone they've had a conversation with someone at some point when on leaving the conversation you think to yourself something's not right there with that person you know mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. they have they have they've obviously got some sort of mental health issue right you can you can just tell right but do you think there's there's people that are psychics or whatever who just kind of ignore that who just go right this person obviously has but I'm just going to go with it anyway I'm just going to go along with it and just continue doing what I'm doing. I think I think that has to be true. It just just simply through um, speaking with the clients that I often speak with, I think I think often um, anxiety and loneliness can be an issue. Mm-hmm. And and for me, much of my advice I would term as being practical. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm listening to the paranormal things they're saying, but I often think that the paranormal is an indicator or a sign that something else is not quite right with their lives, mm-hmm. and they can take practical steps to deal with that. And once they deal with that, yeah, then the paranormal issue is that that's. I think it's, it's easier. It's, it's easier for you as well, though, because you don't take any fi- financial reward. Yeah, that's it. I don't, we don't. We don't charge, nor would we charge. I think the people that do charge for it is they they put themselves. I think they put themselves in a very difficult kind of like, you know, it's almost like um, you know your your statutory you, statutory consumer rights and the consumer yeah. rights act and all this kind of stuff is is just like what are you charging for? Yeah, can you guarantee problem, yeah. your work? So they yeah. feel that maybe they need to deliver upon a product, an end product, in order to be like, yeah, I earned the money that you're going to pay me at the end of this, yeah, and maybe just to hell with um, ethics, what, yeah, <laughs> ethics, it, for, yeah, for lack of a better word, yeah. Yeah, or you think you've got a ghost? Like, I know you might have a mental health issue, but I'm just going to say, all right, you've got a ghost because at the end of it, you're going to give me fifty quid. Yeah, like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, there's this issue that they're not that cynical. They're actually just just as uh, well. Whether or not somebody may or may not be deluded, mm-hmm. but uh, but if they're willing but, to pay, but, but a medium might also be deluded. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it may they, be a they, two ways. Yeah, exactly. So you've got one person imagining stuff, paying money to another person that's imagining stuff, and nothing is being helped yeah. apart from one person's bank balance to yeah. the detriment of another. Yeah. Well, that was quite grim, wasn't it? It I was. That it. was really super grim. <laughs> well, we get only looking at this case. Yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 let's that's why the people really tuned in. I know that was a big long preamble, but it was interesting. It was. An, I, I think was, it was like the moral maze, wasn't it? I think it? sometimes th- this issue needs to be addressed, though, because there is there is a correlation between people experiencing the paranormal and mental health issues. Right. So the first case I'm going to talk about is it's it's interesting because it, um, the case uh, features a lot of. A lot of quite dramatic and um, uh, sort of types of paranormal phenomena. Um, it's interesting because the client themselves is a psychiatric nurse. All right, okay. Who was suffering from a psychiatric illness, and the case uh, basically stopped because the person uh, became too ill. Right. To, okay. to continue, and also ethically, from our point of view, it's just like, well, look. This is now a situation that that I don't think we ethically can continue once yeah. we know the the extent yeah, of yeah, this yeah. person's illness here. Um, even though the the person uh, has, even though the person is a you know, it's almost like well, it's it's you think oh well the person but the person's a psychiatric nurse so but then you think well yeah that there's there's no reason why. People that work within medicine can't become ill. Yeah, there's, I was I was um, to kind of go down a quick um, cold sac here, but I was speaking to someone who had been a photographer. They do. Um, they were a therapeutic artist or 
what's, what's that called when they do the art that helps people? Art therapy. Art therapy. They're an art therapist, but in order to become an art therapist, you basically need to go through a controlled breakdown, basically. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, you yourself, in order, it's just because you're going to be dealing with like terrible, terrible subject matter a lot of the time, so you need to be able to cope with that, so they kind of deconstruct you as a person and then rebuild you. Uh, and and quite a few people would do that, go through like breakdowns and all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm wondering if it's a similar deal with people who do like psychiatric nursing and stuff like that, where they need to go through this intense kind of experience to kind of see it for themselves, so they're able to kind of treat the it. People that train as um, psychoanalysts mm-hmm. uh, psychoanalyze themselves, right? Um, but I think people that certainly are psychiatrists or or psychiatric nurses. Uh, that's not part of their training. No. Although, I think it's it's it might be a it might be a stereotypical thing to say, uh, but I think we kind of know it's probably true. Whether or not this has ever been scientifically tested or not, but people that are attracted to or interested in psychology often have psychological yeah, yeah. issues or problems themselves. Yes. So, if you wanted mm-hmm. to take a sample, a random sample of psychology students. Um, or uh, people working within those, you know, like, you know, it's just like... It's like people who who help treat addicts, but they've often been addicts themselves. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so yeah. But I don't know, that's an interesting, that's, that's something you could test, couldn't you? You just uh, compare to other departments. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, if there are greater incidences of, of mental health issues mm. within psychology students, and and it's because you know that's why they're interested in the first place. Because, right, okay. or the other thing though is, uh, which often happens, people that end up studying psychology, is they'll have somebody in their family, right, that that, yeah. that might have a mental yeah. health um, uh, issue or condition, yeah. and that's why they're interested. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to. This is like yeah. the biggest yeah. longest yeah. preamble yeah. ever. So anyway, so um, and and the other thing about this case is it's complicated as well because there are kids. So, uh, so this has been, this has been anonymized. So these uh, these names are made up. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, um, so, so if this this name has been made up, and coincidentally this person actually does exist, I'm not talking about that person either because right, it's okay, made it's yeah. a made up name. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? made, yeah. So, um, so Mrs. Joanne Kenny lives with her two daughters, Amy Kenny, who's twenty, and Catherine Kenny, who's eleven. She's separated from her husband. She has lived in her current property for almost 13 years. Approximately 15 to 18 months ago, strange things began to happen in the property. In Mrs. Kenny's bedroom, uh, Mrs. Kenny did not talk about her experiences as to not alarm her daughters. However, the phenomena moved from her bedroom to her eldest daughter's bedroom and consequently her daughter became absolutely terrified in her room. It was at this stage that Mrs. Kenny saw intervention and also began to speculate as to the origin of the phenomena. So here's the phenomena, the sorts of things that would happen. And um, tapping and scratching. So approximately 18 months ago, tapping and scratching noises could be heard in Mrs. Kenny's bedroom, mainly on the bed headboard or the side of the wardrobe. She has described the noises as moving from one end of the room to another. On one occasion, two hat boxes lying at the foot of the bed were the focus for the noises. Mrs. Kenny thought she should just talk to it, and in her frustration said, you can beep this out, Michael. Fuck off. The noises got louder. So, door opening footsteps and breathing. Approximately four months ago, Amy Kenny was in her bedroom when she heard the door opening, footsteps approaching her bed, and the sound of breathing. By this time, the scratching was also heard in this room, scratching under the bed. Uh, Psychokinesis. Approximately five to six weeks ago, Mrs. Kenny was re-entering her bedroom when she saw her alarm uh, clock flying off the bedside cabinet. It landed on her bed with sufficient force and distance for her to reason that it wouldn't have fallen like that if it had act if it was acted upon by gravity alone. Also, electrical interference, interference uh, psychokinesis on, there you go, we get a wee date here on Sunday the 20th of May. Both daughters were in the living room playing with a camera when the telephone started to bleep like a smoke alarm and shake. Mrs. Kenny said that she had never heard a phone make that a noise like that before. She said out loud, go away, you're not wanted, and it stopped. Sensation of presence. The client describes a very uncomfortable feeling in the property. Indeed, this not nice feeling 
prevents any family member from wanting to be in the properly alone. So they're all staying together. So intervention. So, so uh, Mrs. Kenny contacted a local minister, Mr. Uh, Derek Logan, or Reverend Derek Logan, three months ago. He met with Mrs. Kenny in her home and said that he was not qualified to deal with such matters, but nevertheless prayed with her in the living room. She has also contacted a psychic who recommended burning sage and putting a ring of salt around the flat. When Mrs. Kenny discussed this with her in-laws, she still has good relationship with her husband's parents, they were not impressed. Furthermore, they warned her that she didn't know what they were dealing with. The psychic's advice was ignored. The client has only talked about her experiences with her own parents, her ex-partner's parents and one friend. And she contacted the society through the Yellow Pages. Amazingly enough, we used to be in the Yellow Pages. Really? That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What the, so I always ask clients what they believe, because this is very important. I feel it's um, what they think is, 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 is going on. It's, it's very much uh, a front and centre of uh, how they certainly interpret their experiences, but also you're not just dealing what, with what might be going on, you're dealing with what the client believes as well. So I always ask clients this. So generally the client is at a loss to explain what's happening in her own home and indeed said, I've been, I've lived here 13 years in June, why now? So there you go. So it first started, what was it, 18 months ago? So um, one and a half years ago. And But she's she's... She's lived in our, our house, or flat, for 13 years. The client wondered if anything particular happened uh, 18 months ago to cause the phenomenon. I could only think of her. Our eldest daughter's friend was killed in a car crash, and her daughter should have been in that car. The client also made the following remarks, that she would like an explanation, that she is at her wit's end, and there is always something different to get your attention. She was also very much concerned about her daughters and said that her eldest daughter uh, is uh, terrified. Uh, so I called the client again uh, to arrange a visit, and t- and then this is the first the first meeting. So this is uh, this is going back to two thousand and seven. Uh, so this is somebody else writing this now. Uh, she was waiting with her two daughters. Findings as follows: the family had stated that they were all very tired, as the activity keeps them awake throughout the night. Most of the activity happens between 11.30pm and 2am, with most of the attention focusing on both the mother and her youngest daughter, Catherine. They went on to describe some of their experiences, which I list below. So footsteps running up the hallway, which is laminate flooring, and footsteps entering into the room. Funny smell like sour fruit or meat. The alarm clock physically flying off the bedside table onto the bed. Temperature changes in the mother's bedroom. Cold. Electrical interference, the telephone folk bleeping. Bed shaking, the youngest daughter said bed shakes. Uh, Mother and uh, the eldest daughter answering to Catherine screaming and seeing the pillow move over her face by itself. Objects disappearing like Catherine's mobile phone. They are convinced that it's not their forgetfulness. Knocking noises on dressing tables in rooms and on uh, living room doors. Hearing breathing noises close to their faces. The family was asked if there was anywhere in particular in the house that they don't like or experience things more frequently. They all replied that they did not like the bathroom. When asked why, they explained that they could not explain their feelings but they all felt really bad about the bathroom. So much that they actually waited on each other whilst one of them was uh, using the toilet. And they said that they felt the sensation of being watched. Uh, the client then discussed, this is the thing, so we've already started off the case and the client uh, discussed their medical condition and suggested this may not look good under the circumstances she's reporting. Mm-hmm. She explained to us that she suffers from depression and is on medication for her condition, one of these medications being lithium. And if you know anything about lithium, that's usually for uh, prescribed for bipolar um, or manic yes. depression. Uh, she explained that before taking ill, she was a psychiatric nurse and understands some of the stigmas attached. So there you go. So what? So what? So what the investigators did is the clients uh, gave the investigators permission to actually set up camera equipment to monitor uh, uh, activity in the home. 
Um, so there was a second meeting, a second visit. So revisited the experience. Uh, so this is the investigators talking. They they talked about the 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 phenomena that the the clients were discussed had discussed previously. Uh, Mrs. Kenny explained that they had been staying with her mother as they were afraid to stay in the house, so they weren't in the house. She also explained that her youngest was suffering really badly from a lack of sleep, and was, which was affecting her schoolwork. And on occasions, were actually being asked by the teachers if there were any problems. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Kenny explained that since her last visit, she had experienced hearing creaking noises in the toilet, like feet moving slowly and shifting position on the floor. Once again, a strong feeling of being watched. She also talked about that um, lights were flickering on in the bathroom, but the lights hadn't been switched on at the time, so the light the, the light switch was off, but, yep, but the still lights the lights were flickering, yeah. Uh, she went on to explain that she had a visit from a community nurse, and that the community nurse was unsettled by what she experienced. Whilst the community nurse was there, the TV, which had not been on, started to creak really badly, as if somebody was pushing it back and forward. So, so this is a, an independent witness. This is an independent, this is independent. An, this is an so independent this. witness, and uh, the investigator's next line is basically asked if it'd be possible to speak to that independent mm -hmm. witness, the community nurse, for for a supporting statement. So anyway, the cameras were set up for a two week period, set up in the hallway of the house, um, up to the edge of the bathroom door for a period of two weeks. So it was explained basically that where the camera um, was going to be pointed, it said that that because the camera would be in their home uh, they were consented to it, it basically make sure they were clothed at all times yeah. Cause they said because it's pointed at the bathroom as well so. yeah, it was pointed pointed yeah not in the bathroom right yeah, but, the, 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 but yeah exactly so basically um so yeah no no one walking about in the buff no one walk walk about the buff uh, but anyway, the point was this camera was set up for two weeks, and then the I have done this myself, not not a whole two weeks, but uh, the the recording showed nothing. There was nothing unusual or inexplicable about about the footage. Right. So even a full two week period, nothing. So me, there was a telephone call. Uh, so Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Kenny called me to tell me that she had met up with her neighbour from the flat above whilst waiting in a taxi. She said that she told the neighbour. That she was about to ask was a bit strange, but she was really upset with the whole thing. She explained to her neighbour about the things going on in her flat, to be told that they too had experienced footsteps going up the hallway, but the lady mentioned that she sees a young lady in a long nightdress running, running up the hall and into her room. She explained that her husband was very uneasy about it and feels a sensation of someone close to his face and hears breathing. So, this is the investigator. I asked Mrs Kenny to inquire if they would speak with us that we could report on their story. So this seems like corroborating right, witnesses okay, again. Yeah, sounds like... Mrs. Kenny did ask, but was told that they didn't want to talk to any, with anyone as they're trying to sell the flat. So really frustrating. So you're yeah. so you're getting this corroborating witnesses being dangled in front of you, but, yeah. no, but they're what not. What happened with the, the nurse one? Did she no, say no as well? No progress, no progress. So there you go. So there's the third meeting. So this is investigators going out again. Strangely, before this meeting started, I was looking around to check uh, what one of the other investigators was doing. As so, this is the investigator themselves. This is their own account. They experienced a very strong vibration coming from the couch. My immediate thoughts was that the other investigator was moving her leg up and down, but to my bewilderment, she was standing away from the couch. I didn't raise this with the family at the time. Uh, now, what is interesting is even though the cameras didn't record anything, yeah. their presence within the flat seemed to have some kind of effect because soon as the cameras went, things kicked off again. So right, there you okay. go. As often as the yeah, case. As often as the case. So Mrs. Kenny stated that things uh, got worse after the cameras went. Mrs. Kenny started by explaining a really terrifying experience she had around 10 past one in the morning. She was just falling to sleep. She experienced footsteps starting from the bathroom. She also heard a dragging sound along with the footsteps. She felt the noise entered her room and stopped just beside her bed. She said that she felt the bed sink slightly, almost as if something lay down beside her head to head, and next she felt like an arm going across her body. She was paralysed with fear and could not move. In tears, she started to shout, Go away, go away. This alerted her eldest daughter, who ran into her uh, mother's room 
She also started to shout, go away. At this point, Mrs. Kenny felt as if she could move again and get out of bed. The girls hadn't heard anything up to this point. So this this is classic, kind of like sleep mm-hmm. paralysis. Yeah, yeah. But although the, the client was uh, states that uh, just falling to sleep. Yeah. So um, we can let the sceptics <laughs> wrestle with that yeah. that little chestnut. But but the, the client is certainly uh, talking about this as not have fallen asleep. And she has this experience. Um, another point in the, uh, prior to the event was the was basically Amy was awoken by Catherine screaming as her bed was vibrating on the floor. Uh, Amy confirmed that she actually saw the bed moving. So there's other experiences in this. about this one? Mrs. Kenny was awoken by a sharp pain in her big toe. She described uh, she described that it felt like she had a big toe bitten, and then when she examined it, she saw it was a red circle. Um, uh, that looked like human teeth marks around her toe. Whoa, never heard that one before. There you go, bitten on the toe. Ouch. Uh, also, lots of activity in the kitchen. Mrs. Kenny explains putting out two cups and saucers for tea for her and a friend, and when she turns around to fill them, the the tea uh, cups and saucers were moved. So basically, nothing dramatic, but basically yeah, they, ju- they just to, moved, yeah, yeah. To, for her to notice that it moved. So lots of flickering lights, so still more electrical um, interference this time in the kitchen. Uh, but it only seems to happen when they're in the kitchen. Right, okay. So there you go. Oh, so really when they're in the room. kitchen, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, footsteps running up the hall repeating itself. It was discussed that Amy never really experiences anything like her mother and sister, but has heard the footsteps and banging and has seen things physically move when no one is touching them. So that's interesting that one of the family does experience some things, but mm-hmm. it isn't fully immersed in the experiences yeah. um, as the other two. Focused on them. Now, so, uh, a, a medium, a medium was then brought into the property. So this is a report um, by the investigator telling us what the medium said. So the investigator talks about their amazement that the the medium picked up all of the activities that the family had been describing. So the, the 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 purpose, the point, the whole point about bringing a medium is you don't tell the medium nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, so they know, they know nothing. And then you just punt them into the space and then you get them to do their thing. So the investigator said that the the, the medium went in and basically described everything. Um, mm-hmm. Everything that had happened was or was happening in, in the home uh, without any prior knowledge of it. She spoke about the footsteps running up the hall. She mentioned that uh, it was the footstep of a young female around 30 she was lost. She was looking for her family. She felt the presence of this female in the hallway and Mrs. Kenny's bedroom. She said she hears the words, it's so long, nobody has come for me. So there you go. That's a nice cheery That's thing for a medium to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so Which the med- also kind of adds up with upstairs neighbours. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. Uh, the medium stated that uh, there's a very strong feeling of depression. This this young woman was uh, was manic depressive and had lots of problems. So this is interesting. So this mm. is chiming in with what is also happening in the home. Um, we moved from the bedroom to the next room, which was the bathroom. She immediately told me that she did not want to go into the bathroom. She had a very bad feeling. She said to me, "So this is this is what the medium says: suicide, suicide has happened in there." Yeah, right. that's what I was thinking. Okay. Moving through the house to the next room, the kitchen, she explained that there was a lot of energy in this room. She told the family that they were experiencing lots of things move and lights flicker in this room. She stated that all the energy is at the back of the house where all three rooms discussed are situated. I then took the medium out of the front door to go upstairs in the direction of the neighbour's flat. She only went halfway. She told me she didn't want to go any further. She sees a man and she does not like it. Something not right here. Something bad has happened. So this is obviously a very just cheery close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah cheery close. Uh, closing down the meeting, um, so Mrs. Kenny explained that she had attempted, and this is where it gets very grim, she's attempted to commit suicide in the bathroom in several occasions, and on one of those occasions she had to be resuscitated as her heart was stopped. So what's interesting is is that the, the medium... Uh, is talking about a situation that could could equally refer to yeah. this alleged yeah. 
spirit yep. and the client mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah, she's going to be picking up on that. Yeah, exactly. It's quite sad. Yeah, it's very sad. So, uh, so the medium race concern felt that Mrs. Kenny was very open to the spirit world and was channeling energies, possibly feeling and experiencing these feelings of a 30-year-old female spirit. Jackie asked if the family would like her to ask the spirit move on, and they agreed. I'm <laughs> sure, sure they yeah, would have. Yeah. So there you go. So, so that was that meeting. So this is like a follow up, and you can probably you can almost guess what happens here. But uh, so Mrs. So Mrs. Kenny called and explained that they felt great in the house for the first time in months after the visit by the medium, but that feeling was short lived. Approximately three to four hours. So there you go. So they're like, "Wow, amazing! This is fantastic!" But then, just just four hours later, they started to hear noises, footsteps, and once again, the bathroom was not a place they felt comfortable in. Uh, Mrs. Kenny had explained that most of the attention was was shown to her youngest daughter, Catherine, uh, and unfortunately, she was experiencing scratching in her legs that left physical marks. Mm. So also, the client said she was hearing her name being called out on a regular basis. So, basically, what, what I'll just sort of sum this up: that there was there was more telephone calls. There was an attempt to arrange another meeting, but the client's own health deteriorated, yeah. and we just thought, well, let's let's let the medical professionals Do deal with thing, this yeah, one, yeah. and we'll see if we get any more contact, etc. And we did not. Right. So it's that's a shame it, because it, listen, yeah. it did sound that so, did sound like a it was a paranormal well, case. The thing is, when you when there's always there is always the extent. This is where the, the, you're always interested, or or there's always this constant debate as to what constitutes evidence, and there's just the mere fact that so many so many elements of that paranormal phenomena ticked boxes mm-hmm. in terms of this is not just the sorts of things that were experienced in the home but even the order in which they were mm-hmm. experienced so you would even have to think well that's quite an extraordinary coincidence or did that this is the one thing that 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 was not asked um and i wish it was asked but to what extent was this client interested in and knew about the paranormal because mm-hmm. that's really important yeah because if this person you know, is, at the start you never gave us a year when this happened is that possible to give us that uh, it was 2007 i think i said which is what it was okay. 2007 2007 so basically so so this is um so yeah there was there was there was a lot um a lot had happened um in a short period of time but this was all and this was, was this Glasgow as well? Was this? I, I can say it was Glasgow. Yeah, you don't need to go into it. Yeah, it was Glasgow. Glasgow. So, so yeah. So this is. Um, so for me, it was all quite convincing. Yeah. Just, I'm sure many many of our listeners will also yeah. nod their heads the and think it sounded yeah. convincing. Yeah. The thing for me is the neighbours upstairs who yeah. had who described something that quite similar. Yeah. Although. The other thing, which is probably quite typical as well, though, is this was corroboration that was not corroborated. Yeah, yeah. So not only with the health visitor, um, not just with the neighbours. Uh, so with all these these possibilities or opportunities to 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 get supporting witnesses, etc. But no, the it's interesting that one of the investigators themselves said yeah. that they experienced yeah. the same sort of vibration. That's thought that was interesting. Um, the only problem is though is, is how, how how evidential that might be, considering that that when somebody knows they're going into a haunted location, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yes, uh, it's that level of expectancy. So um, that's it's kind of it's kind of tough, but yeah, it's it's and, and when you I mean you listen to the the details of the case, it is very it's very difficult and it's very sad. Yeah, because definitely because it seems to be that that, that so much. Um, so much about the paranormal is this sort of transgression of boundaries, of sort of um, uh, sort of crossing boundaries, and it's even the fact that the the it seems to be this this confusion or 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 this sort of this, this sort of weird sort of liminal state between even the phenomena 
and the person themselves. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know whether the medium is describing um, the, the the past or, or the present. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And there's that kind of confusion, um, and 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 that's and that in itself is quite a. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite a it's it's quite a traditionally paranormal thing, you know. Yeah, that, well, the thing with that as well, it's not it's not necessarily evidence of uh, spirit spiritual activity, but it's actually a really good hit for the psychic yeah. that she got for that. Yeah, uh, which in itself is 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 quite good. It's quite yeah. interesting. Yeah, and obviously it's very sad, but, it's, yeah. but that is quite interesting in itself. Yeah, so that is so. So so I I, I did, if is that if that is what happened. Yeah. You know. So I did I did speak with that client that was um, uh, a couple of other investigators' cases. They brought out a, a, a medium, um, but it was just sad that that wasn't necessarily rev- resolved. And to to look backwards mm-hmm. and and to have some sort of idea of. Because there is that, it's hard to separate the client's own personal circumstances with the paranormal phenomena, that which may be reflecting that, or or even to some extent, let's just be mystic for a wee second, being powered by that. Mm-hmm. That even though the medium can come in and wave a magic wand, because the circumstances, the feelings, and the mental conditions still remain, you're just going to bring that all back again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like. It's almost like there's a flood, but, yes. you've, not, but you've not mended the pipes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. can you can weak away all the water, but if you've still not fixed the the leak, then it's well, just going to come back again. Come back again. Yeah. So, one would hope, um, one would hope that that person's circumstances and their mental health are were in a much better place. I certainly hope yeah. so. Um, I mean, it would be interesting to see even if the if if that person could improve in another place. But the other flip side of that is is I mean, this the, the thing as well is just like because this person was a psychiatric nurse, yeah. Um, you know, if you want to put your mystic fruity hat on, uh, and if you you're arguing that that certain places um, and certain intense emotions create un, unpleasant or for that matter pleasant atmospheres, mm-hmm. maybe the the worst person you can send somebody who is mentally um, unwell. And psychic, yeah, is a psychiatric hospital that is like the worst. Yeah, it's just going to be like, the yeah. worst place you can send them. Mm-hmm. It's the worst place on earth. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It's just like it's just like if I put my fruity, fruity mystic hat on, I would yeah. just think if 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 there is if 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 that argument that truth is real, yes, that yeah. that, that 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 the psychic realm that these rules apply, etc. Then you think then then the last place you would send anybody yeah. who was mentally ill would be to spend time with other mentally, mentally Ill, Ill people. people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um or even sending a psychic to yeah. Yeah. That and that, type of that place. actually that also tell I might have talked about this case before, I'm I'm, I'm sure I probably have. But um this was another account this is the thing, we speak to quite a few psychiatric nurses. Um this is another uh another nurse that was talking about uh, uh, her experiences when she worked uh, um, in a psychiatric hospital, and one of the wards was haunted, and yeah. and, and the amount of weird things, and um, and there's certainly lots of reputation, um, uh, lots of old Victorian crumbling asylums. Many of them have disappeared now; they've been yeah, demolished, etc. Gone, gone away. Fancy yeah. modern flats. Yeah, but but the reputations that these places used to have, you know, for yeah, yeah. For, for being spooky and haunted, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the one floor was good. Trying to overlook hotel. Yes, but like that kind of thing. If you take a like, because that's why they're always going to like for more insane asylums and stuff like that, and like these programs where they go looking for ghosts, and they're always really super haunted and active and stuff like that. And it's always because of the stuff and the people that have been there as well. Well, I think. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, we're just in the, the realms of fruity speculation, but the, 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 if there, are, there is one argument that the intense human emotion seems to be a factor in hauntings, mm-hmm. and what's what's more full of intense human emotion than uh, than 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 than, a, than, a, than like a a hospital or a prison, and those places indeed. Um, have reputations for being haunted. I've had a thought, right? Do you want to make this a two-parter? 
What, what time is it? Because we've literally ran out of time and I just we, don't feel like we've even scratched the surface. If not, should we make this a two-part yeah. and I'll talk about more, more the, the sort of the Venn diagram between uh, uh, abnormal and paranormal. Yeah, let's do that. Because yeah. we're on a roll, so we may as well chuck it a, a, another episode. Okay, well, I've, I can talk about another couple of cases really right, okay. easily, yeah. Right, what we'll do is right, we'll wrap this one up now. Okay, yeah. Right, so that was uh, what's turned into a, a two-parter. Um, That's fine, isn't it? Yeah, so we'll see you next week. Yeah. Or as you're actually just about to just keep going. And, yeah. yeah. Just just, just concentrate on the love and the light. Yeah, and uh, remember, email us, um, contact us on Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, send us your own experiences, we love those. Yeah. Um, and we'll see you next week for part two. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye.